This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Joel chapter 2, and we'll be looking at uh, verses 28 through the end of the chapter. Um, yeah, we're going to be looking at Joel chapter 2. Um The last time I was with you all, um, we looked at the very beginning of the book of Joel. Uh, Joel is one of the the minor prophets, and we don't know a lot about Joel. We don't know if it was before or after the exile. We don't know a whole lot at all other than the fact that uh, his father's name was Pethuel. And uh, he he prophesied during the time that there was a, a great plague of locusts. Uh, But the book doesn't tell us a lot about him. It doesn't tell us who was king or anything like that. There's not any historical markers where we can kind of guess. Some think that it happened before the exile. Some people think that it happened after. Um, But um, what we have, what, so I'm preaching through it at uh, our church at Redeemer where I'm I'm a a pastor. And um, we're actually, you know, most of the time uh, when we've been going through 1 Peter, um, I would I I, I was uh, preaching things that I'd already preached at, at the church where I pastor. Well, this is the same sermon I'm going to be preaching tonight, so you guys get the the fresh stuff today. <laughs> what I've covered with my own congregation, um, the uh, um, there was a plague of locusts, which we talked about last time I was here. Uh, it was a plague of locusts that just stripped everything bare and. Um, God had sent this plague of locusts so that the people would would uh, see uh, and and uh, Joel was wanting them to see the message that God was sending by that um, in the uh, in Deuteronomy. God told them if they broke the covenant that he was going to send a plague of locusts and look what happened. And and um, uh, so Joel was saying this plague of locusts has come because you've broken covenant. And um, in chapter two, he talks about how an, an, a, a plague of an army that was going to come upon the people and it was going to be even worse. Um, but then uh, about halfway through chapter two, um, what you see is uh, the people had repented. They cried out to the Lord. Uh, they turned to him and God's heart begins to move towards them. They, he relents of the disaster that he was going to bring upon them. Um, it, uh, it, it says in the, in the verses before what we're going to look at today um, that uh, he would restore the years that the locust had eaten. He'd sent this plague, but he was going to restore uh, the very thing that uh, he had used as a punishment. He was going to restore those years that they had lost by the locust plague. And what we're going to look at today is, is um, um, God was, uh, he was re- reversing the fortunes there of Israel. He was, he was restoring those years. He was sending rain to pour out on the land so that it would be fruitful again. And he, he speaks of a future reality to, from Joel's perspective. Um, he f- speaks of a future reality of a day after this, th- these things, after God restores the land, that, that, he was, that God was going to pour out His Spirit in the same way He poured out 
the water on, uh, the, and the rain on the land, he was going to pour out his spirit and uh, it, there was going to be a new reality for the people of God. And jo- uh, Peter, in the book of Acts, the passage that uh, uh, Tom read from, uh, said, this is the pr- fulfillment of that prophecy. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down and... and um, um, filled the apostles and the disciples that were there. They spoke in tongues. They prophesied. And, and Peter was saying, this is what Joel talked about all those many years ago. So let's look at our text. Beginning verse 28. It says, And it will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day that we can come and worship you. We thank you for your word. And Father, we pray that you would open our eyes and open our ears and help us to see what you have for us today in your word. Feed us by it. Nourish us by your word. Give me grace and strength as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In the Old Testament, Before the day of Pentecost, it was different. There was a radical difference between the Old Testament days and the New Testament days. And one of those major differences that we see is in the New Testament era, we as believers have the Spirit indwelling with inside of us. When we trust in Christ, His Spirit comes inside of us and we are Filled with his spirit. Uh, In the Old Testament, what you see is uh, when it speaks of being filled with the spirit, it's usually for a certain period of time on certain on people like uh, Saul had a moment whenever he was filled with the spirit for a moment for a specific task that he was doing. Uh, The people who uh, created the instruments for the tabernacle, they were filled with the spirit for a a period of time. Um, David, I think, was filled with the spirit uh, whenever um, at different moments uh, that that talks about. But it was a a time where where the, the spirit would come upon an individual for a specific task, for a specific purpose. But you didn't have the constant indwelling of the Holy Spirit like what you see in the New Testament. That's one of the reasons why the, the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant that was made by Moses um, was inferior to what we see in the New Testament. Um, speaking of Moses, 
There, there's a, there's a, a, a time when you see uh, this filling of the Spirit happening in the book of Numbers with, uh, with Moses. Uh, you've got uh, Numbers chapter 11. You can turn there if you want to, but I won't be there very, very long. Um, Moses, he, he wanted to have some help with his work leading the people. And so uh, he had 70 men that were uh, um, selected in order to help him with his work. And they were... Uh, also filled with the Spirit, and they were prophesying. And Joshua got upset about this. (laughs) Joshua came to Moses, and it tells us, um, Joshua the son of Nun said to him, uh, I'm sorry, Joshua son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth said, my Lord Moses, stop them. These men were filled with the Spirit. They were prophesying. And Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. This was a desire that Moses had, that that all of God's people would be filled with the spirit. But that's something that you don't see in the Old Testament. At that time, they didn't have the Spirit dwelling in them. And that's why over and over and over again, you see the people of Israel kept falling into sin, kept falling into sin. And God would uh, use armies and plagues and all kinds of things to bring judgment on them. But he he also had this prophecy that in a latter time, there would come a a new covenant, a new covenant in which, um, you know, No longer would anyone say to his neighbor, know the Lord, but they would all know the Lord from the greatest to the least. And and here we see um, in this latter time that that Joel is prophesying about this latter time that the Old Testament had an expectation of that the Lord would pour out a spirit on all of his people. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. He talks about the young and he talks about the old. He talks about um, male and female. He talks about um, even servants and slaves are going to be prophesy and they're going to dream dreams. It almost sounds like Galatians, doesn't it? In Christ, there is no male or female, no uh, Jew or Gentile, any of those things, but we're all one in Christ. What, What Peter saw there at the day of Pentecost was the fact that Joel's prophecy was filled, was being fulfilled, that they that they were that the Holy Spirit was being poured out, and now as the people of God in the New Testament era. We have the Holy Spirit. Now, we may have different views about uh, how how that looks today. (laughs) You know, uh, you go to a Pentecostal church and you're expecting to see uh, the same kind of events like what you saw at Pentecost, where people are speaking in tongues and all of those kinds of things. Um, 
I, I myself, I'm, I'm a Baptist, and, and, and I don't know what everybody's particular views are about this, but I, I think that those speaking in tongues were supposed to be a sign that was, that, that, uh, that, that was unique and specific just for that, that uh, time of the apostles to show us this has been fulfilled. But what, what we do have continuing is the fact that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We have believers, if you have trusted in Christ, if, he has, if, if you have uh, been saved, if you've trusted in Him, if, if you've been born again, you have the Spirit living in you. And that is superior to what they had in the Old Testament. Verse 30. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. Verse 30 uh, seems a little bit unique, and that's, I think, maybe, uh, let me look at uh, Acts real quick. I'm not sure that, um, I don't think that Peter quoted the entire section there. Acts chapter 2. Yeah, he does say, I will show wonders in the heavens above and, the, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be... Okay, so he does, he does uh, quote the whole thing. The, um, the blood and the fire and the columns of smoke. What should that probably make us think of? I think it makes us think of Exodus. You have the blood, the first of the plagues. God showing his might and his power of turning the, the Nile into blood. Or we may think of the blood that was put over the doorpost as the death angel passed by. You see the fire and the columns of smoke. And as God led the people through the wilderness, he led them by a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. You see God's working, um, a miraculous work uh, that, that is clearly God's work. And it says, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Now this is kind of getting into uh, some kind of apocalyptic language. Maybe it's looking forward to a, a future time whenever Jesus comes again. Uh, but we also know that at the time of the crucifixion, the sun grew dark, didn't it? In verse 32, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're familiar with that verse too. And Peter quotes it. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We see this also quoted in Romans chapter 10. What we see in this verse is, is it pointing forward to the fact that when Jesus comes, no longer is he just dealing with Jews alone. It's no longer Jew uh, alone, but it's, also, it's, it's opened up to the Gentiles. It's opened up to us. And that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We see before this in, in Joel, we see... This judgment that's coming. We see the plague of locusts. We see the, the, um, the armies that's coming and, and marching on Israel. But he promises a time that 
When all of the destruction comes, whenever judgment is coming, it's the one who calls upon the name of the Lord that will be saved, rescued from God's wrath. He says, For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, those who will be saved. The Lord has said, Among the survivors there shall be those whom the Lord calls. Notice there's two things here where he uses the word call, right? There's those who call upon the name of the Lord, and it says that the Lord calls. And I believe it's the same language when we see it in uh, Acts. Acts uh, chapter 2 again. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls, calls upon... No, he didn't quote that whole thing. But we do see here uh, uh, um, there's God's sovereignty and man's responsibility put together here. It's the ones who the Lord calls and it's also open to whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Um, So let's step back here. What do we see from this text? Joel is looking forward to a time when there will be a new covenant There will be a new uh, order about how God deals with people. He will pour out His Spirit. We, as New Testament believers, have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, and the gospel is open to anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord. What has God done in order to bring about this new reality? He sent His Son. He sent his son. The punishment that we deserve, the punishment of the locusts, the punishment of the armies, and the punishment of the wrath of God in hell was taken upon him, taken upon his son, Jesus. Jesus came and he lived among us a sinless, perfect life, and he went to the cross to bear our sins for us. He took our punishment. He took our blame. He took our shame. He took it all. And when we look to Him in faith, when we look to Him and trust that our debt was paid by Jesus, we can call out to Him and He will save us. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We are all sinners. We are all deserving of God's wrath. We deserve death and hell. And yet, it is so simple. What God has done in sending Jesus, it is so simple. All we do is we cry out to Him to be saved. We trust that He will do it. We trust that if we cry out to Him, He will save us. And He will not cast us out. Many may deal with many different kinds of sin. And they may feel like, God could never forgive me for what what I've done. You may feel like you have, have uh, lived such a life that God would never want you. And yet, here is His promise. 
everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon His name. Turn to Him. He is gracious and kind, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not pardon the guilty, for He poured out His wrath upon Jesus in your stead. So call out to Him. Call out to Him. And be saved. Thank you.